0: Life, real life, a thing that we have been denied for far too long. Good morning, my neighbors. Hey, fuck
1: you. Yes, yes, fuck you too.
2: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast. My name is Sam Norton, and you are a longtime listener, subscriber, liker, lover, and aficionado of comedy. Sam Norton and Humor Tall, the sponsor of this episode. Humor Tall, when you don't find it humorous at all, take Humor Tall. That was actually pretty clever, and that was off the top of my head, so uh, I'm a fucking genius. How are you doing, guys? Welcome. Today we're going to be discussing the great American comedy classic uh, that is Coming to America, if you guys couldn't figure out by the amazing intro that I put together on that. Uh, yeah, uh, I love this movie. It, it just got released on uh, Netflix, and I was like watching it last night and thought, you know what? I'm going to dissect the shit out of this movie, because I've been watching it since I was a kid. And I fucking love it. And it stars, it has one of the best comedy casts. It just holds up. And you know what, right off the bat, I'm gonna say this before I even get into it. Uh, not even the funniest movie I've ever seen. Not even, like funny wise, not even scratches like top 50 as funny wise. But endearing, memorable, quotable, and all around just good comedy, somehow it hits all of those points. It, like, this movie never made me, like, laugh out loud, like, oh, God, like, uh, one future episode will be, like, Dumb and Dumber. That, for some reason, that movie just made, like, when I watched it growing up, I was like, this is so fun. But this movie, uh, it just, it's so good. It's just a good, and I, I have to admit, it's a good comedy. Uh, it, it's one of those, like, good time things. Like, me and my brother quote this movie all the fucking time. That's how good it is. Uh, now for any of you who have not seen Coming to America, it's a 1988 film, uh, it's been around for a while, it's d- directed by the great John Landis, and it stars Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, the woo-woo-woo, and, uh, James Earl Jones, right? And those are some of the stars. Uh, it, that's a great fucking cast up top, uh, and even the cameos of this fucking fantastic film are better than most casts of most films. Some of the cameos are the great Louis Anderson, the legendary Sam Jackson, uh, Frank Faison, I think is his name. He's the dude, I just recognized him, he's the commissioner from the the show The Wire, that, like that dude who's been on everything. He's like the landlord. And then uh, I also never noticed this cameo, uh, there's a kid getting his hair cut in the famous barbershop scene, it's fucking Cuba Gooding Jr. Just sitting there being an extra, basically, at a fucking in this movie like how good of a just secondary cast is that That if you had those names in a regular movie it'd be box office smash and here they were just kind of bit parts behind behind whatever uh and so that's just the bit parts right get into the soundtrack research this didn't know this i had a uh soundtrack to this movie and it actually charted in billboard's top 100 when it first came out like it was kind of a huge hit uh <laughs> Had its own singles and shit that I think one of them went to number one in the UK. Like somehow a soundtrack of a romantic comedy fucking did that well. Uh, it also d- did so well that it was it got a its own sitcom pilot for CBS back in '89, st- starring Tommy Davison. Uh, he was in *Living Color* and shit. He played the brother of the main uh, Eddie Murphy's character, the main protagonist, and. Uh, just, also, it even racked up, uh, I think about, almost, it was like $288 million at the box office. It was a huge, huge fucking smash hit worldwide. Like, that's how well it did. And it, conti- like, it broke, uh, it broke every convention, and it, it was a trailblazer for future movies. Fuck comedies it was it was it started everything off in my in my estimation through my research it started every kind of door i mean the only the way eddie murphy could do but it opened the door to so many different things like before the fresh prince there was prince akim right before james earl jones was king mufasa he was king joffrey and before wakanda there was zamunda like this movie it, it fucking, it, it opened the door to everything. Coming to America was a trendsetter in every goddamn way. Uh, if, and and that, that's just outside of comedy, inside of comedy. Like if comedy is about subverting expectations, then having an entire movie built around that concept makes it in- inherently, at its foundation, a great comedy. Uh, I mean, it's a, it, you're watching a movie that is about an African prince humbling so, himself by coming to America and only to find true love. Like, that's a, that, that goes against every convention possible. Like, instead of someone coming to America to find riches, right, he's actually coming to live as a poor person, right? Instead of a princess finding a prince... It's the exact opposite. It's a prince finding a princess, right? Instead of someone poor marrying up, marrying up into wealth, it's actually the exact opposite. He's trying to find just a regular, not queen, you know what I mean? Not royalty. Uh, instead of a, a white European uh, as the protagonist of this giant, uh, you know, royal nation, it's a black character from a country in the middle of africa it's a made-up country but it's still it's it's still defying those tropes and and it's not a rags to riches story it's actually the exact opposite it's riches to rags to find humanity and being humble like not not to mention outside of that it's damn near an all-black cast you have a black lead you have a black villain you have a black love interest the only white faces are there's a clerk which is louis anderson and then there's some random tax driver and then the last white face you see in the movie uh, is Eddie Murphy himself playing a Jewish character <laughs> dressed up in uh, Jew face, I guess? Like he has makeup, and for the longest time I did not know that was Eddie Murphy. Like in that scene, for all of you guys who have seen this movie before, in that barbershop scene, that is Eddie Murphy as uh, not only the black, uh, like main bar, uh, bar, I almost called him a bartender. Jesus, I guess I have a fucking alcohol problem. Uh, the main, main black barber. Uh, but then the guy eating food is Arsenio Hall. And then the, the Jewish guy is Eddie Murphy. I was like, they should have got... I honestly think they should have got nominated for makeup. Because they didn't... Both of them do not look like that at all. Um, and Before we get into characters and stuff, which is, I think, what really makes this movie... Uh, c- just a quick summary for anybody who's never seen the movie. One, if you have Netflix, just go watch that. Uh, if you don't, go to a fucking video rental. I'm sure you can get it anywhere. Uh, any- if there is still a video rental. I don't know where you're watching this. Maybe you guys still got video rentals in your country. Um, Coming to America is uh, its a romantic comedy, right? Uh, that's the only trope that it actually doesn't subvert. It's pretty It's pretty standard. Like, the only... <laughs> the only thing that it doesn't subvert is that romantic comedy trope of like a guy pretends to be something other than what he is to get a girl then the girl finds out that he was lying to her and she's hurt so he's got to win back the girl and by the end of it they get together and they're happily ever after um to be honest i wish they would have subverted this too because i think that's one of the dumbest storylines and somehow it caught on as like the thing to do in romantic comedies is like and, I mean, it, I guess it's flopped between guy and girl of, like, they both betray, one betrays the other's trust, they gotta win it back, and then they get together and they're happily ever after, and usually they end up marrying, and in, like, in my experience, uh, the only reason you would marry somebody uh, or get into a long-term relationship isn't because the sex is good or isn't it because you get along, it's because loyalty and trust are there. Like, that's the only thing that separates every other relationship from a great one is, like, yeah, this person's got my back and I can trust him. With anything and everything and so like day one trying to teach people about love they're already getting the main thing wrong like it's about loyalty and trust like you can have great sex with someone you fucking hate right you can get along with someone you don't have great sex with and you can do both of those things without actually trusting that person which is the main thing you know what I mean you gotta have someone that's you gotta have a fucking soldier with you and someone you can trust to sign a fucking contract with. Anyways, that's my own hang up on romantic comedy, so if I had to deduct any points from this goddamn masterpiece, that would be one point out of a hundred. So I guess it's not a perfect movie. It gets one it gets ninety-nine out of a hundred, right? Um but the, so not only the characters I love and we'll get into it, but this honestly within my family. Uh, Nostalgia plays a big part in what I find funny. I can't help it, I'm human, and you know what? We all fucking do it, all right? That's why comedy's subjective, all right? If you don't find this movie all that entertaining, uh, you know, not only are you right, but you're definitely fucking wrong. Uh, I'll do my best to explain why objectively it's funny. The characters and the bit parts are really the details that make this funny, but it, for me personally, it's one of the most quotable, one of the most somehow endearing and honestly, uh, again, it, the comedy of this movie is directly in the details. Uh, it's the minutiae. It's every time you listen back, you can find some little thing that makes it even funnier. Uh, I mean, shit. Uh, something that I enjoy uh, it definitely is the clip I played at the beginning of this episode where... <laughs> He's just like ah, good morning, neighbors. And the guy's voice—something—it's like the Wilhelm scream. You ever heard that? That Wilhelm scream is uh, fantastic. Uh, if you've never—if you've never heard that, ah! that was the Wilhelm scream. And that guy at the beginning of the uh, episode where he's like, "Fuck you!" Like that's almost like the Wilhelm scream of "fuck you." and something about that is uh contextually just hilarious just having a guy way off in the distance you don't see his face cuz like a lesser comedy would probably pan to somebody like opening their window and looking at him and going like fuck you but you keep uh the camera of that scene you actually keep it on Eddie Murphy's face he just got to New York he's out there just beaming like oh i made it and i'm going to i'm going to find the love of my life and he's just out on this balcony, almost looking uh, kind of coincidentally like uh, Mufasa or Simba up on the Pride Rock, just surveying all the possibilities of finding true love. He's full of optimism, and he just wants to express his joy and love of the new city that has adopted him, and he says, good morning, and just having a guy in the distance go, fuck you, and he's like, fuck you too. Like... Just keeping that giant dumb smile and optimism makes that hilarious where he's just sitting there it's, a, it's, it's the same type of comedy to me, and this is very childish, but I do find it funny. It's the same type of comedy to me as whenever someone goes for a high five and then the other person just walks by and then the person's just sitting there with a high five up, high five up right? There's comedy in the person who gets sad and just walks away, but then there's also the comedy which Eddie Murphy goes for, where the guy's optimistically high five, the guy walks past and he just gives himself a high five and goes, yeah, and keeps going still hilarious to me um now we're gonna dive into the characters i have uh three clips pulled up that i want to have you guys listen to one is whenever uh eddie murphy is trying to quote unquote fit in his character's uh prince akim uh is what his character is played as um you also have three barber or four sorry you have four barbershop people you have eddie murphy playing the black guy who kind of sounds like this hey right and then you have uh uh, a, a second guy. I don't know who plays him, but then you have Arsenio Hall playing the barber who goes like, Hey man, how you doing? He's got the higher pitch voice. Then you have um, uh, Eddie Murphy playing uh, the Jewish guy too. So they walk in uh, and then Eddie Murphy, this is really hard to what, I hope you guys have fucking seen this movie so you know what the fuck I'm talking about. But uh, Eddie Murphy also comes in as Prince Akeem. He wants to, quote-unquote, look like an American. And uh, so they they come into the uh, the barbershop and antics ensue. All right. Then the next one is uh, at a place called Miss Black Awareness Pageant. Uh, Eddie Murphy's character goes out to a bar in the scene ahead Of this, and he meets a bunch of psychopathic women and just people he doesn't want to hook up with. So he asks the barber, who's in that previous scene, "Hey, where do I go to meet good women?" And he's like, "Well, I'm going to this church function. You should come with me. There's a lot of nice girls there." So they show up, and two of the most memorable characters in this fucking movie is Arsenio Hall playing like a deacon or a reverend who uh, is like every money grubbing kind of philandering. Uh, Christian reverend uh, just oogling a bunch of uh, hot black women and going, Oh, the Lord! Uh, and then he calls out Eddie Murphy's character, which might be the greatest uh, character ever invented in a uh, comedy, but uh, yeah, you'll, you'll hear it. He comes out and sings. It's fantastic. And then, the third scene is at the basketball game, where Eddie Murphy's character, Prince Hakeem, uh, is trying... He goes on a double date with uh, the uh, main love interest who is uh, oh what's her name in the movie shit uh, I think it's uh, Rose is her name in the movie um, and she is it Rose? I can't remember and she uh, she's dating the main uh, uh, like villain of the movie who's like this rich guy uh, who who kind of treats um, his name's Daryl he treats uh, Prince Akeem like shit and then uh, he's double dating uh, the main love interest's sister right now so basically he gets put into this awkward position where he goes to a basketball game with his love interest and her boyfriend and then he's forced to be on the date with her uh, sister and she ends up jacking him off under his uh under his jacket and he's like, oh my god, and doesn't know how to deal with it and then antics ensue in there. So that's all three of those clips. Uh, we're gonna let you listen to them. We'll come back and break them down. Alright, enjoy in his
0: face in his face. Yes in the face Why don't you take off your jacket, Akeem? Yes. Put it in the face, right? I like this. Isn't that better? (laughs) Yes, thank you very much.
1: Wearing clothes must be a new experience for you.
0: Are you able to follow the game, Aki?
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) I'm following the game quite well. What kind of games do y'all play in Africa? Chase the monkey? (laughs) Uh, No, we play football. I believe you call it soccer. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Soccer. Well, that's a real cute sport. Especially the way y'all bounce that ball off your heads. (laughs) You know, personally, I don't like any sport where you don't use your hands. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime.
0: Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. Will you excuse me for a moment, please? Excuse me. I'll be back in a minute. Stop bowing, please.
1: I am a loyal citizen of Zamunda.
0: Yes, but you're going to spill your beverages. This is the greatest day of my life. Yes, it was very nice meeting you two. Excuse yes. me. Please, please,
1: please.
0: May I just have my picture taken with you?
1: I will cherish this experience for the rest of my life. The rest of my life.
0: Who was that?
1: Just the man I met in the restroom.
0: In a he was bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that who that you, the new boy had, Mike Mike Tyson. Looked like a bulldog. He bad him too. He whipped Mike Tyson there. He whipped all their asses. What about Rocky Marciano? Oh, there they go. There they go. Every time I start talking about boxing, a white man got to pull Rocky Marciano out their ass. That's day one. That's day one. Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano. Let me tell you something wonderful. Rocky Marciano was good, but compared to Joe Louis, Rocky Marciano ain't shit.
1: He bit Joe Lewis's ass. That's right, he did whoop Joe Lewis's ass. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when they fought. I don't know how old he was, but he got his ass whooped. Joe Lewis had come
0: out of retirement to fight Rocky Marciano, the man was 76 years old. Joe Lewis always lied about his age. He lied about his age all the time. One time, Frank Sinatra comes out here and sat down in this chair. And I said, Frank, you hang out with Joe Lewis just between me and you. How old is Joe Lewis? You know what Frank told me? He said, hey, Joe Lewis, 137 years old, 137 years old. Oh man, you ain't never meet no Frank Sinatra. Fuck you! Fuck you and fuck you! Who's next? God damn, boy, what's that? Some kind of weave or something? We well, is my natural hair. I have been growing it since birth. Oh shit, what kind of chemical you got in there? I have put no chemicals. Only juices and berries. Shit, that ain't nothing but ultra firm. Tell me how you want me to cut this. Just make it nice and neat. That'll be eight dollars. Tell me, Simmy honestly how do I look I think it is time to find your queen
1: I want you to put your hands together and welcome him to the stage big round of applause for Jackson Heights own Mr. Randy watson yes Randy watson <laughs> that boy is good mm-hmm. good and terrible and reverend brown
0: We here for the reverend this man's been my reverend since i was a little boy and i love him dearly you're a very special man reverend brown reverend brown it feels so lovely to be here tonight what a beautiful lord give yourselves a round of applause you're so lovely everyone's so lovely and um while you're in a clapping mood, I'd like to give a big round of applause to my band, Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> Sexual Chocolate. They play so fine, don't you agree? I believe the children are our future. Thank you. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense. A pride make it easier. Some of the good stuff, right? Coming up. Want a Coke? Join the show. Enjoy, young man. I decided long ago Never to walk in a one shadow. If I fail, if I succeed, you can't take away my dignity call the
1: Great S. But you know, when I look at these contestants... I- For the Miss Black Awareness pageant I feel good I feel good Because I know there's a God somewhere There's a God somewhere Turn around ladies for me please You know there's a God Who sits on high And looks down low Man cannot make it like this Larry Flint Hugh Hefner They can take the picture But they can't make it Only God above The Hugh Hefner on high Can make it for you Apparently these are the best women Queens has to offer. Pick one and let's go home. You can call his name. Be patient, my Lord, friend. Lord, Lord, do you love him? <laughs> do you feel joy? Say joy! Joy! Joy? Joy. joy! Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. amen! 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 Don't be ashamed to call his name! Yes! Only God can give that woman the kind of joy she had right there. Amen. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Joy. I am very happy to be here. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. Can I get an amen? Yes. I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise the name. Lord, Lord.
2: So there were some clips from Coming to America. Um, We had In Order, the barbershop scene, uh, the pageant, sexual chocolate, and the basketball uh, game scene. Now quickly I want to talk about the basketball scene. Uh, What I like most, and you really don't hear much from her, but I do love the character of the sister character. Because she, <laughs> she comes across as like this gold digging whore in the movie. Like she's the younger sister, she's jealous and wants to hook up with a prince or a guy with money. Like she's, she's kind of portrayed as that, but somehow she's quite endearing. Um, mainly because she's a little like spitfire. She doesn't give a shit. And, uh, I don't know. I like H.J.'s. Those are cool. And she gives one in that scene. That's why he, like, gets up and goes, Oh, good lord! Because she's just, like, jacking him off under, uh, his, uh, his coat. Uh, and then the main part that I wanted to listen to was the, uh, African immigrants from Zamunda. Uh, that guy... <laughs> so, Eddie Murphy's character, Prince Akeem, is standing in line to go take a piss. And that guy is, like, an a uh, drink guy that comes around gives like popcorn and drinks and he's walking past notices him and immediately drops the cokes and the drinks that he's holding goes down to his knees and is like oh i can't believe it oh prince Akeem!" and just starts to worship again while he's like standing in line to take a piss and all the other guys are like what the hell is going on then he leaves and then the guy finds him to take a picture and it's all one big setup, which is I I still find that scene uh very funny. It's all one big setup. Uh, the comedy is the last line, which is uh, just a man I met in the restroom. Like I, that 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 whole thing is just to build up. Like oh what, you know I got, I got recognized. How do I deal with this? And then his way out is somehow worse than keeping the lie going where it's just like this guy wanted to take a picture with me and his friend wanted to take a picture of us because we met in the bathroom like what the fuck is the story uh it also at a very young age taught me that I don't want to be super famous because if you can't even go try to take a piss without someone going crazy and wanting to take your picture and follow you around uh that that was uh, kind of a quick eye-opening moment when I was younger of like oh I, I don't want to like I didn't attribute that to celebrity but I did attribute that to like oh I don't want to be a prince because then you couldn't just go take a piss somewhere without someone bothering you um, the next one I wanted to talk about was uh, the great characters of the barbershop you had uh, uh, Clarence who was the main guy he's the gold tooth dude the one's like hey all right Um, He's the one that speaks the most uh, during it. In that clip, uh, it's the one where they're arguing and uh, talking about, um, was it Joe Lewis and Rocky Marciano? Um, You had Clarence uh, talking about uh, Joe Lewis. What's great is if you go back and listen to that clip, uh, he just keeps making them older and older. I believe he starts off at like, 62 then the next thing he says is that he was 73 then he was like 89 and then at the very end he's like yeah and then frank sinatra came in here was like frank how old is joe and he's like 167 years old like he just kept making it hyperbolized and older and more ridiculous uh through the whole thing um so clarence is that guy the guy who's arguing with saul both of these characters are actually played by Eddie Murphy so this is kind of a early indication of what the clumps from um, Nutty Professor when he did all those characters like Eddie Murphy if if he has one lasting genius talent and it is it's his character work because like I said I didn't know I knew that he was Clarence the gold Tooth guy when I was younger I had no idea who was Saul he just really Again, the makeup was fantastic, but also him. uh, I didn't picture Eddie Murphy pulling out that type of character, and I, I love how how like stereotypical New York Jewish he is without being. You know, I'm not a New York Jew. I'm not even Jewish, but I, I it never still does not strike me as like offensive. It strikes me as. I feel like Eddie Murphy knew a guy like this in New York. Uh, there's a, there's another clip in this movie where uh, they were talking about boxing, like always, and he's talking about uh, when Cassius Clay changed his name to Muhammad Ali, and he puts a hard H on it, so he, he instead of saying Muhammad Ali, he's like Muh- Muhammad Ali, like it's Yiddish, which I find uh, quite funny. Um, I believe that's, I mean, Muhammad is from Islam. Um, I get, maybe there's Muhammad. I'm trying to think back on the Old Testament, which is the Torah. I don't know, but maybe that's how you are supposed to pronounce it, with a uh, hard H. But I just like, in that clip, he keeps going, Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali. Um, and even at the end of the movie, uh, so another clip where he's telling a joke um, uh, after the credits roll and he uh the, the whole me and my brother quote this all the time uh he tells this joke where he's like yeah man uh goes in gets uh orders the soup soup comes to him and uh and he waves down the waiter and he's like waiter uh can you uh can you taste the soup and the waiter's like what is it too hot? And he's like, no, just taste the soup. And He's like, what is it too cold? And he's like, no, 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 just taste the soup. And he's like, what too salty? He's like, no, just taste the soup. And he's like, okay, where's the spoon? Aha, aha, and the joke lands flat, and the other barbers like make fun of him. Uh, but that last little aha, my, me and my brother Scott do that to each other all the time. Uh, <laughs> uh, just whenever it comes up of like. Uh, oh, can you pass me the ketchup? And he's like, where's the ketchup? Aha! Uh-huh. Just any, any time you want to have an aha moment, we just put a, what, put a Eddie Murphy H on there, is what I'm now calling it. Um, but yeah, that, that Saul character is great. Like, I just imagine some old Jew that's been there since the 1930s in that neighborhood, grew up with those guys, and just hangs out there all the time and talks about boxing, and, uh, insults him by calling them the Three putzes. Uh, He's the only one that doesn't work there, by the way. The other three guys that are yelling in that clip are other barbers uh, not doing shit, which is going to get to the next guy, Uh, but they're not doing anything. All they're doing is arguing all the time, and then there's just, like, one old Jewish man who's, like, playing chess all the time and just arguing about boxers, Uh, and speaking of not doing shit, um, one of the great characters that, that, again, this is another tick in the um, genius of this movie that it's all about the little details so there's the, the Eddie Murphy H uh, which is a, a detail that I, I just it's it's like great seasoning on a steak right the movie itself is a steak right and the, these little pepperings and seasonings just it's like just fantastic uh, Morris the uh, guy that Arsenio Hall plays he's the guy with the high voice doesn't really say a whole lot that's too funny just kind of agrees and makes fun and laughs and stuff but something I just as a visual gag that you guys can't see what I always like if you watch the movie go back and watch it one he's always eating he's just sitting in his chair always eating and he doesn't do shit the whole movie he's sitting down in his chair he's got a paper plate and he's eating something the whole time the other two barbers at some point Uh, are, you know, doing, like, one's, like, Clarence is pretending to cut hair, and even the other guy switches seats at one point, but that Morris guy sits in his chair and just eats off a paper plate the entire movie, and all he does is, like, back up, and he's, like, a he's, like, one of those backup singers in a doo-wop group, just, "Uh uh-huh, yep, ooh-wee, uh, he just doesn't do shit, it's, it's just a nice little touch of, uh, every barbershop I've ever been to, where it's, like, there's the uh, there's the chairs that are in the front, right? Those are the ones you want to go to because they got the best seats. And then the guy in the back of the barber shop is always the one ain't doing shit because he's sh- terrible at his job and probably just lazy and just sits there and talks shit in the barber shop all day. Um, so yeah, little little pep rings of like good character work. Like I said, you got Saul, Clarence, Morris, and you got the sister uh, and the little African. Uh, immigrants uh, just peppering again b- by the way let me point out that none of these characters that I've even said have really anything to do with the main story's plotline I guess the closest you get to is maybe the sister giving him a handy because uh, it he's like trying to get with uh, you know the main girl and his sister's like jerking him off under his coat so that causes maybe some conflict by the way also again another great way to start a relationship with somebody uh you lie to her about who you actually are and then allow yourself to get jerked off by your sister um <laughs> i i would make fun of myself for going like i oh, don't look too into it like it's just made for joke purposes but this is dissecting the frog right i'm going to treat this for a second like it's real life and it's like oh this it's a good thing he's a prince and rich, uh, so hopefully that he can uh, buy her an elephant and be like, hey, I'm sorry about all that. But anyways, all these characters uh, don't have anything to do with the main plotline of the the movie. And I think that's the genius of this movie and what I learned uh, a lot from it uh, when I started looking into like screenplays and what movies I like and dislike. Uh, as far as comedy goes. Um, this one, the funny parts to me are like small SNL sketches. Like, it's just character-based uh, sketches that they... I feel like they wrote out, and then they were like, all right, well, let's build a story and weave these somehow into it. And they did, because the next one uh, keeps getting better and better, right? So the next one was the uh, uh, African... Uh, pageant, the African, not awareness. Um, oh fuck me in the butthole. Um, anyways, the the pageant where there's uh, the Reverend uh, Reverend Brown played by uh, Arsenio Hall, and I love this dude's voice. Like the character that Arsenio Hall uh, made up. Again, uh, it had to be an amalgamation or at least just a direct tapping into somebody he knew uh at some point in his life because i've i've seen these reverends where it's very uh very charming uh very charismatic uh and kind of eccentric like the even his voice is he's got like a low raspy cigarette infused voice just "Um, you know and he's got that southern baptist kind of like oh give it up for the lord uh, and then my favorite part of that whole speech is when he goes from, like, shitty, raspy, low, low, like, cigarette-infused voice to when he's like, uh, And I want to praise the Lord. Uh, there, there's something quite amusing uh, about that That little touch of just, uh, I'm, a, I'm a ridiculous human being with a ridiculous voice, and then I'm going to turn it up to 11 by literally turning my voice up to 11 if that's the high-pitchedness of it um and then on top of that too uh so that's just the little uh, touch of how the character acts but the <laughs> the funniest part about it is he's a reverend or a deacon one of the two a reverend or deacon of this church and he's conducting a beauty pageant where there's women What you assume are women of the church, right? Uh, Young, single ladies that attend his church. uh, And they're in just the skimpiest, and I'm not complaining, but they're in the skimpiest bikinis. And he's just objectifying the shit out of these women while also preaching a sermon. It is the weirdest thing. And everybody's like super into it, and he's like, like... Part of his speech is, like, empowering women. Because if you go back and listen to that clip, every time you hear an amen, other than uh, Prince Akeem uh, saying, like, I am happy to be here. Uh, every other person that, like, speaks up and is, like, saying, like, amen, preach, and doing that shit is all women. So he just keep And he the way he's preaching, uh, I guess, sounds like he's being very complimentary to women. But when you actually... I, I didn't realize what he said until I watched this clip again right before I started recording this I am not kidding I have watched this countless times and every time I knew all these other things where it's like I I knew why he was funny to me I knew that he was just like objectifying women at a church because like I uh, I went to church like every week of my life uh, when I was a kid and you would never see anything like this and it was, maybe they did it without kids around but i mean even when i've gone to church recently you know church is for mainly conservative it's not for like bikini objectification of women uh but i never heard exactly what he said and you know what to be fair it's a real not only is it a funny comedy line it's also quite poetic but also like a shitty thing for a a reverend to say because he said uh hugh hefner can take pictures of it but only god above the hugh hefner on high can make it (laughs) like just the simple fact that he's referring to those women's bodies as it is funny to me but also uh kind of poignant like yeah you're right uh larry flint and hugh hefner can only take a picture both of those guys are dead now but uh you know people can only take a picture and appreciate uh, and maybe make superstars out of, uh, those women, but, uh, there's only one person or one entity that can make something so precious and beautiful, which is, uh, again, I see, I'm, I'm not even meaning to, but I'm making it more complimentary and, um, (laughs) poetic when I'm like so precious and beautiful for a woman. Uh, and yet he was just saying, he said that God is Hugh Hefner on high. Like, that's his idea of God is Hugh Hefner. There's something quite contrasting there, which is what makes it funny. And I know that uh, I, I know for a fact that's what they were going for because there's so many deacons and reverends and uh, preachers, at least from Protestant faiths, that are, uh, I'm not going to say predatory, but just kind of slimy dudes like that where they're using God as an excuse to get pussy all the time. Uh, and then in that same uh, scene, uh, you have the most famous, I think, of the whole movie. I, I don't know what's been memed in GIFT and just used on the internet more than uh, the sexual chocolate band uh, with their head singer Randy Watson. To be honest, Eddie Murphy steals his own movie in this scene. Prince Akeem is the main storyline. Uh, you have the barbers, Clarence, and then you have Saul, which are also Eddie Murphy, and you have all—you have every opportunity for Eddie Murphy in the, in the main storyline, right? You can even argue because Clarence introduces him to the church, which introduces him to Rose, the the main lady. That even the barbershop shop ha- has some transitional value in the storyline. Whereas Randy Watson of *Sexual Chocolate* uh, has no reason to be here, he is straight. What I was saying, he's he's seasoning, he's paprika onto uh, this uh, this steak of a movie, and it again, this seems like him and who uh, whoever else came up with the idea for this scene just like wrote a sketch because they saw this guy or this type of guy and was like you know what we're gonna we're gonna shoehorn this in somehow into the movie and god damn it they did and it stole the fucking movie i, I can't tell you how many people uh i know <laughs> especially comics i've seen this more than once where they do like a a set or like a long-winded thing and they know they're gonna bomb so they just set it up to they just set themselves up to fail with glory and uh there's one person in particular i can't remember his name but he was just bombing so hard and when he got done he like held the mic out uh like on the side like he, he was looking like he was getting crucifixed or cruci- crucifix crucified and just held the mic out and then after a good beat brought the microphone back to his mouth and just said sexual chocolate while stomping his foot and it got one of the biggest uh reactions out of a crowd uh of like seven people I've ever seen in my life uh that guy was gonna fail no matter what because he was at an open mic and that was uh was a very precious moment uh in my comedy brain to watch some open mic or really uh (laughs) Really take gold uh, and try to uh, lace it over some shit, and uh, he was he was trying to make shit gilded. And uh, goddammit, if he didn't do it off of that, like, yeah, the uh, (laughs) I I love that Randy Watson. I think the reason he steals the movie is because I think everybody's known someone like this, even if it's just in conversation. Where they have so much confidence, they're like fake confidence in themselves, like borderline arrogance, that nobody likes them. And on top of that, Randy Watson, immediately you know that he's unlikable, because everybody there probably knows him so they're all rolling his eyes and they say he's untalented other than that one barber he's like that guy's good and everybody else is like yeah no the, we know this guy he fucking sucks right so he thinks like Randy Watson goes up there like tonight's the night I'm gonna get him which is probably what he says every night and he's like yeah I'm the greatest I'm amazing right and then he just panders hard and in my experience uh, especially in comedy, if the audience doesn't like you, and then on top of that you start to pander to them, they pick on, they pick that up, people aren't that dumb, right, I, have seen it so many times where a comic is bombing, and they <laughs> you know, they, they, spend, fuck, three, five, ten minutes just bombing their ass off, and then they do the stereotypical shit, uh, of like, Hey, uh, give it up for the ladies tonight, huh? Give it up for the ladies. There was a dude, uh, so I moved to Toronto last year. Uh, there's a show uh, called The Nubian Show, right? And it's one It's one of, if not the greatest show in Canada. Uh, shout out to uh, Kenny Robinson for, that's his show. But there was a dude, I can't remember where he was from. I don't remember his name. I'd tell you guys if I remember. But uh, he went up there. And uh, the the crowd is lit. Like it, it's it, it's set up for you to lose them. You know what I mean? Like not you to like. It's a great show, and if you lose them, it's your fault. Like you sucked, right? And this guy was bombing his tits off. I'm not gonna judge him. Maybe he was just having a bad night. But goddamn it, it was uh, definitely his fault because it was a great crowd that night, as it is every time they do that show. And the dude ate his nuts he was supposed to do a seven minute set he was doing like he did five and it it was just palpable how shit he was doing and then all of a sudden he just launched into what can only be described as Randy Watson pandering when he he was like uh hey give it up for all the big women in here huh big women I love big women and then tried to do a big women joke and it fucking failed right and then the next one he did Where he's like, oh, it's good to see all these black faces. Give it up for all the beautiful black people in here tonight. And it's called the Nubian show. Like the the whole show is kind of based around being a black centric experience. You know, just to have a night of their own. I guess it's Kenny. Kenny set it up. That's the way the show is. He's nice enough to have me. Uh, but yeah, everybody knows what they're getting into, it's kind of booked as a, like, a black show, and he's up here going like, oh, look, I'm so surprised, look at all these beautiful black faces, and everybody knows immediately, as with the other one, that he was just pandering, like, yeah, we know we're black, how about you tell a fucking joke, right? (laughs) <laughs> and then the last one, which was my favorite, right? Because the other two panders didn't get anything, right? I do know, I remember this. So we're in Canada, we're in Toronto, and this dude says this, and he's like, "Guys, give it up for the troops, give it up for the American troops." And the dude, the dude's American, and I, I as an, this is the first time in my life this has ever happened. I sunk in my own chair on behalf of Americans because I was like, first off, uh don't say give it up for the troops that's real tacky like unless you're going to legit tell a story or there's a reason like you used to serve or you had like there's a point but just bringing give it up for the troops uh is is really a a a hollow uh it's it's a it's a hollow praise because what he was doing wasn't uh, wasn't something nice. He wasn't going like, no, seriously, give it up for the troops. Uh, they, they, they need all the help and love and support they can get. That I would respect. He was going, I'm bombing. So can you clap about something? I think that you're gonna clap about. Like he was saying it in a very selfish way. So one personally that made me pissed off. But to then go, give it up for the troops. Give it up for the American troops is like, dude, do you not know where you're at? Like, why would you? I've never heard that to begin with. I've never heard someone specify which troops to give it up for. And then two, if you are going to do that, make sure you at least say the country's troops that you're in, maybe. That was such a weird, (laughs) like, yeah, fuck Canada. Fuck you guys for uh, going in with your troops and helping us out any way you can, uh, giving it for the American troops. Like that was such a weird. I'm an American, right? I'm a, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool, fucking ignorant. I, I'm a, I'm pretty stereotypical. I, I, the first time I ever went to a foreign country. Uh, I heard someone with a weird accent and I asked where they were from and they were like fucking here and that place was Canada like that's how bad I am okay so there's my hypocrisy but I would never do something like that's somehow worse than what I did going like hey where are you from that 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 I thought was the most American ignorance that has ever been done but nope this guy outdid it with his Randy Watson pandering just, uh, I believe the children are our future. And everybody's like, yeah, we get it. The children are the future. Okay, cool. And then he's like, give it up for sexual chocolate. And it's like, well, they were liking the band until they knew that you were the leader of it. Like, just a toxic human being. And not even toxic, like, like bad. Like, that. that that's why I like Randy Watson almost as an adjective uh, of, a, of a person. It's like, you're toxic as like, like like radiation like just being around you is not only uncomfortable but probably not good for my health mentally and physically <laughs> and and so if you're out there uh and you you're you know of a person like this where they they just try so hard to be liked and because of that they're gross to be around just start referring to him as randy watson huh a little rw mr randy watson anyways in conclusion right I'm going I'm going on a, a tirade about that dude uh, at that show uh, this movie uh, in general is a fantastic movie it legitimate as a film it legitimately is a good movie the the story keeps progressing uh, it's it's a it's a cute endearing movie right Eddie Murphy's in his prime uh, and it's a nice little love story, but the the thing that makes it a fantastic comedy is almost weaving together sketches together in a cohesive manner that makes sense, and it kind of gives you the tapestry of 1980s New York, I assume, uh, during that time. You have so many different voices and perspectives that uh, it, it feels like a lived-in space, and that's all due to Arsenio Hall and... Uh, Eddie Murphy. I mean, they play so many different characters, and all the most memorable ones are those two dudes. And you get lost in When you watch the movie, you don't think, oh, there's Eddie Murphy, there's Arsenio Hall. You legitimately can just sit back and kind of forget that they're playing anybody other than uh, Simeon and uh, Prince Akeem. And so I I think if there's a lesson to be learned from this movie, uh, it is that uh, you can you can segment segment a movie into punchier uh, sketches to then weave into a bigger uh, a, a, a bigger picture. Uh, I hate to use picture and motion picture, but that, that really is. Uh, what it is and then on top of that when you have that stake right you have the sketches and everything you then can use the characters themselves to really season it even more Uh, and like I said the the Reverend Brown uh, Randy Watson and Saul uh, are all three of those easily are the parts of this movie that I remember more than again Prince Akeem or uh, Simeon or any of the main characters, mainly just because they they were written so well and they they're such good comedy accomplices. Uh, so the reason the reason I laugh is because of the ancillary characters. The reason I continue to come back and watch is because of the main characters, the main storyline. I like there's a scene where Sam Jackson, uh, his whole thing as he comes into rob a restaurant that uh, Eddie Murphy's character is playing at, and uh, him and Arsenio Hall's character uh, stop it with a mop handle, right, and uh, there's something quite, I like watching that scene, Uh, I like watching Sam Jackson go full Sam Jackson, then I watch, I like when uh, (coughs) Arsenio Hall's character says, uh, freeze you rhinoceros pizzle, I don't even know what Rhinoceros Pizzle is, but every time I'm like, yeah, fucking get him, right? I like watching Louis Anderson wash lettuce. Like, there's something endearing about every type of, uh, of movement through uh, the scene with each of these. And then Eddie Murphy's character, Prince Akeem, uh, th- this has nothing to do with comedy, uh, but I, I do want to get props where props are due. Uh, one of the greater characters written into a comedy ever uh, you, I like watching it because he's such a positive, kind human being of a character, like not once does he... Uh, a lot of times in comedies, especially nowadays, uh, the person shows that they're a shithead, or they do something shitty, or they're like comedian protagonists are n- now, more than ever, are now more anti-heroes. Um, I'm thinking off the top of my head, uh, Amy Schumer's Trainwreck uh, is one of the better comedies that has come out uh, from a stand-up comedian in recent years, and then I like that movie. I'm not gonna lie, that movie's great. Um, but in that movie, she's kind of a shithead. Like she had the whole thing is like she has to slowly open up and show that she like become a good person. And the good person in that movie is Bill Hader's character. Whereas in this one. Uh, again, Prince Hakeem, Eddie Murphy's character, really doesn't have a character flaw. Uh, he's kind of a perfect person, and a lot of people would say, um, as far as, like, movie writing, that's a terrible character arc, because they're just nice and good, uh, and so there's no character development, but I would say in a comedy, he is the rock. He is the straight man. There's a couple of sight gags and stuff like that, but... I like how Prince Akeem is written because he is a man uh, that knows who he is and knows what he wants and he's the rock of the film and everyone else is the characters, the comedy. He's He's a rock in chaos. He's a rock thrown into a puddle and the ripples come out. All of those ripples are the characters and the characters are the laughs and that is exactly what I just broke down. All the characters around him, all the sketches around the main scene. Uh, the main arc of the story uh, is what makes you laugh and what makes you keep coming back as Prince Akeem, uh, the first royalty from Africa, uh, the main one, fuck Wakanda, I say uh, Zamunda, all the way. If I had to live anywhere, it'd be Zamunda. And. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I don't know what I don't know what the fuck I'm saying I'm saying I love this movie I hope you guys watch it and love it too uh, this this is a all-time classic and it gets better and better uh, even as the years go on it really does hold up to me uh, There's even a fucking flip burger phone in there that's you, you go fucking 20 more years down the road kids are gonna look at that and go like what the fuck is it? the guy just talking to a burger so it may even invest into even funnier fucking comedy because they won't know Yeah. There used to be burger phones that had cords coming out of them. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the DTF podcast. Like always, please follow me on all social media, uh, and share this episode, like it, comment. Uh, I appreciate, uh, everything that you guys, uh, do, uh, Please keep listening. Tell a friend. Uh, I want to grow this channel as much as possible, so uh, so I can enjoy it too. This is uh, this is good stuff. Uh, shout out to Ryan Walker again for uh, helping me out uh, editing and stuff. And uh, guys, uh, thank you for all of your time. Uh, continue listening. As always, go out and find your own comedy and go fuck yourself. Bye. You, you can be all the things you.
1: Always wanted
2: to be beautiful,
1: sexy, easy as one, two, three. Just let your soul go. Just let it shine through. Just let your soul go.